Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Oh, that music can mean just one thing. You're tuned in to another edition of Locked on Wolves. Hope you're having a great Tuesday morning. So glad you're along with us. My name is Alan Horton. You can follow me on Twitter at Wolves Radio and at Locked on Wolves. Coming up on today's podcast, it's been a couple of weeks of training camp for the Timberwolves, then the 10-day five-game road trip, then a day off yesterday, and finally the Wolves will be back on the floor later today. We'll talk to you about a couple of busy nights at the Target Center. In fact, the whole week, a busy basketball week here at Target Center. We'll let you know about that. NBA.com's John Schumann. I've talked about him before on the podcast. Uh, He's got his one-team, one-stat feature out, and it's got some interesting nuggets on the Timberwolves. We'll discuss. Also, get to know rookie point guard Chris Dunn, the rookie out of Providence, how he has fared in the preseason, and we'll hear a little bit from Chris and talk about his story of coming to the NBA. That's all coming up on this edition of Locked on Wolves. A reminder, the Vikings are back in action this weekend, taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, putting their 5-0 record on the line. Sam Ekstrom, Sage Rosenfels, they've got you covered. Locked on Vikings, do a search, do a follow. Give them a a nice rating and enjoy your Vikings coverage of our favorite NFL team here in the Twin Cities. So it will be a busy week starting today at Target Center. Timberwolves, as I mentioned, had the day off yesterday. They will have an afternoon practice today, and it'll be open to military members and their families. About 250 uh, military members will be on hand at Target Center to watch a workout. Uh, They'll have a practice, then take a break, and then they'll come back out tonight for Fan Fest, which is open to the public. That's right. It's free. It's open to the public. It gets underway at 7. It'll only go from 7 to 8. In the past, it's been an open scrimmage. We'll see how much of that um, actually occurs. It's kind of yet to be determined, at least uh, publicly, what what uh, the Wolves have in store for the fans. But it is free. You've got to go to Timberwolves.com and get your free ticket to gain admission. So that is coming up tonight. Then, of course, tomorrow there's a preseason game against the Memphis Grizzlies. And then Thursday, of course, it's Game 5. The Lynx and the Sparks for all the marbles. The WNBA title will be on the line. Second straight year, the Lynx looking for that title. And the second straight year, they've gone to Game 5 on their home floor. Last year, they took care of business against the Fever. We'll see if they can do the same against the Sparks after their big win on Sunday, knocking off the uh, L.A. Sparks on their home floor, no less. So, And then Friday, we've got the uh, Wolves preseason game against Charlotte, and that'll wrap up the preseason for Minnesota as they come in 3-2 and two in their first five preseason games, and of course with those two games left. So it's a heavy dose of basketball coming up at Target Center this week. All right, NBA.com's John Schumann. I've discussed him before on the podcast. Like I mentioned, um, his one-team, one-stat feature I think is just fantastic. It's a great breakdown. It often gives you some nuggets, and these are the type of nuggets that I kind of share 
on the broadcast, and and it's it, sometimes you have to go digging for them a little bit. But I, I think I think those kind of nuggets really help tell the story. Whether it's something like being down by double digits and your record when you have that happen, and when you're up by double digits and your record is not quite as good or it's it's very good. I think it's very telling. Um, a lot of different things that he throws out there, and his headline in his feature on the Wolves this year is talking about Zach Levine and his play with Ricky Rubio at the point. And some very interesting numbers. When Zach was on the floor with Ricky last year, his effective field goal percentage was 56.4%. And that may not number may not jump out. That sounds good. Yeah, it is good when you look at the only guards in the NBA last year with 400-plus field goal attempts. To have a higher effective field goal percentage than that, the list is pretty short. It's three players. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and J.J. Redick. Three premier elite shooters in this league. And Zach Levine was right there with him when he had Ricky at the point. Now, Zach's numbers when he was not playing with Ricky, he shot at a 47.9% effective field goal percentage. One of the largest drops um, on-off between two players in the NBA. I mean, that's a huge drop, almost uh, almost 10 full points, but closer to 9. But there's obviously a reason for that. That's because Zach, for half the season, was backing up Ricky at the point and obviously uh, couldn't be playing with him when he was subbing for him. Um, but I, I think the interesting thing to focus on is the fact that the numbers were so strong when those two were playing together, and it kind of fits in with what we talked about in the second half of the season when the Wolves finished up 15-17 and 17 over the final 32 games, and their offense was um, one of the best offenses, top five offense in the NBA. And I do think you have to factor in the other guys on the floor. It's oftentimes dangerous just to look at numbers from two-man pairings because there's so many other factors involved with the three other players and then obviously the uh, you know who you're going up against and those five players. But I think it's a, it's a pretty good indicator that, um, that, that that Ricky-Zach combination, certainly at the offensive end, is, um, is something that can be pretty special. Um, and if you really break it down even further, after the All-Star break, Zach's effective field goal percentage was even higher. It was 57.3%. So we, we saw Zach, you know, in a brief period of time, put up elite, elite-type shooting numbers. And that's, um, boy, that's something that, you know, as, I, as we've talked about during this preseason, if Zach can play just, you know, if he can improve defensively and do enough at that, that end of the floor to, to, get on the, to stay on the floor under Tom Thibodeau, I, I think he's going to get big minutes, and I think that shooting's going to come through. He's got a chance to put up really big numbers this year. And that was evident in that game at Charlotte that uh, I called last week. Um, you know, he got 30 points. He made it look absolutely easy. It's come so effortless for him. So um, that's an encouraging sign, um, even though last year only resulted in 29 wins. Um, also feeding off that is is John Schumann talking about Rubio's value. Um, the trio of Zach, Andrew, and Carl paired with Ricky, so that's a four-man lineup. When those three played with Rubio, Minnesota's offensive rating was 112, so 112 points per 100 possessions. That is right up there um, towards the top of the league. When those three played without Ricky Rubio on the floor, Minnesota's offensive rating dropped to 98. So you're talking about a 14 points per 100 possession drop with Ricky versus without Ricky. So it, again, this just is another of the long list of attributes that Ricky Rubio uh, brings to your team. I mentioned Rubio and Levine together. They played over a thousand minutes together, and when they were on the floor, the Wolves' offense 
at 110 offensive rating, 110 points per 100 possessions. That would have ranked number two in the NBA. Now, that obviously has been focusing pretty much all on offense here. Uh, that same pairing, when Rubio and Levine are on the floor together, the defensive rating for those two was 111. So it it topped the very good offensive rating with an even worse defensive rating. But that's where, you know, speaking of defense, that's where that's where Tom Thibodeau enters the picture. And you expect that that will change in his reign here in year number one. Now, speaking of defense, uh, Minnesota has been below average defensively. And we've talked about the Thibodeau effect for the five years in Chicago. Top five defensive team. 14 of his last 19 years, a top five defensive rating. His his re- track record is just incredible. Um, and for Minnesota, we've talked about how they struggled, not only recently, but in their franchise's history. And John Schumann backs that up. Um, the Wolves have been a below-average defensive team, so ranking 15th or lower um, in nine of the last 10 years. And he looked back at the entire 27-year franchise history, and 20 of those 27 seasons, the Wolves had a below-average defense. And one of those seven times that they had an above-average defense, guess who was an assistant coach? It was the first season of Timberwolves basketball under Bill Musselman, and Tom Thibodeau was the assistant coach for that team. Of course, he and Musselman were there for two years before uh, they exited the picture. But pretty interesting that 20 out of 27, they've had a below-average defense, and one of those seven times just happened to be in the two seasons that Tom Thibodeau was an assistant coach. Um, I mentioned some of the interesting nuggets that that John Schumann throws out there. Um, This is something I touched on throughout the course of the season and have kept track of the last few years. You know, when you play and get a double-digit lead and when you fall behind by double digits or more, I think it's very telling. Um, The Timberwolves last year were 19-15 and when they had a lead of 10 or more points in the game. At any point, 10 or more points. Those 15 losses turned out to be the most in the NBA. So 15 losses when you had a 10-point lead or greater in a game. And, you know, five of those losses were when the Wolves had a 17-point lead or more. They had four games they blew by 17 points and one by 18 points. That also led the NBA. Most games blown uh, with a 17-point or larger lead. Uh, And so while the Wolves couldn't close out those games with leads, they also, they also couldn't come from behind when they fell behind by 10 or more points. Uh, over the last two years, this Timberwolves team is 11 wins and 108 losses when trailing by 10 or more points. I mean, that's astounding. 10 is not, you know, it's not an end-all, be-all thing. That, that shouldn't be that big of a deficit to come away with. Um, some of those games obviously fall into a, a blowout category, but some of those 10-point leads are in the first, second, third quarter. You can easily come back from that. But I, I think what what that speaks to, A, I, I don't think the team was mentally tough. I, I don't think, um, you know, you, you should be able to close out games and build more leads of 10 or more points, and uh, you should be able to come back from them. Uh, but obviously this team struggled in that area, and I think Tibbs comes in and brings some of that mental toughness to this team. And I think we've already seen a little bit of it in the preseason. I mean, we can't read too much into these, especially with the opponents resting people and you know, it's preseason basketball. All right, we'll take that into account. But still, uh, the Wolves came from a 19-point deficit to beat Miami in their first preseason game. Uh, they closed out a 19-point lead uh, against Denver. So we've seen already in the preseason coming from behind by 10 or more and closing out a 10 or more 
point lead. So I think that's a positive sign, and that just I think that's a real troubling statistic. A, a team that's just you know just I, I think that's I think that says something about a team when you can't close out games with a ten point lead and you can't come back uh, even remotely. I mean, eleven and one hundred eight is just a that is um, that's a staggering staggering number. The last number that John Schumann throws out talks about offensive rebounds and scoring off of them. And it was interesting because he said that Minnesota last year averaged 1.3 second chance points off of offensive rebounds. So they grab an offensive rebound and their average scoring 1.3 points um, off of those plays. And that rate led the NBA. Nobody was better than the 1.3 second chance points off of offensive rebounds. But what's really interesting to me is that the Wolves only had 28 second chance points or second chance three pointers. Now, 28 obviously doesn't go into three, but uh, that could have led to someone shooting a three and getting fouled and then not hitting all the free throws. That could account for the uh, the non-even number going into the divisible by three. Um, and those 28 second chance three-pointers tied for last in the NBA with the Milwaukee Bucks. And, you know, th- th- there are two areas, I think, where the three has really become um, fashionable. One of them is off of offensive rebounds. There's no better time to kick it out to guys spotting up on the perimeter. You're going to get open looks. You knock them down. Um, and the other area that, that the, the Wolves haven't taken advantage of, where the, the rest of the league has looked for this opportunity, is in transition. Guys are, are pulling up for uncontested threes. And the old philosophy was, hey, we've got numbers on the break. Let's push it. Let's get an easy layup. Well, Guys are so good shooting threes now that that is like a layup. And you're getting it. When you get Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, J.J. Redick, an open look in transition from three, you take it. The other thing is, even if they miss it, and those guys, you know, most of the guys are 40 on on wide open threes, they're knocking them down at like a 45% clip. And if they do happen to miss, guess what? The defense isn't set, and you usually get a wild scramble for a rebound. You got a great chance for an offensive rebound, so you get possession of the ball back. A, a good number of the times as well. But that's those are two areas where we've already seen the Wolves kind of take advantage of the three-point shot a little bit more here in the preseason, but they need to do a better job of turning some of those offensive rebounds into three-point opportunities, and I think in transition as well. That's got to be um, that's got to be a focus. It doesn't have to be every time, but there has to be more of that. Uh, come- Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Run up this season. All right, welcome back. Let's talk some Chris Dunn, the number five overall pick, six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds, a twenty-two-year-old out of New London, Connecticut. Played his college basketball at Providence. See, I mentioned he's six four. He's got that six nine wingspan, and he's got himself a football frame, doesn't he? A football body. He's got that football mentality. I think we saw a little bit of that during summer league in those first two games before he suffered a concussion and could not play the rest of the way. But Chris has got just an amazing story, and if, and if you're interested, I, I urge you to just to do a Google search on Chris Dunn and his story and his upbringing. It's really quite incredible where he's come from. I mentioned he grew up in New London, Connecticut. Um, he, his mom 
moved him and his brother uh, to Alexandria, Virginia when he was one year old. And his older brother, John, was six, so five years older than him. Uh, but his mom really struggled um, in life, staying in and out of jail. I, it was one incident after another. Um, by the time Chris got to fourth grade, he rarely spent any time in school. He was too busy trying to survive. I mean, Chris and John fended for themselves while their mom was in jail for most of that year. Uh, they sold their clothes. They gambled. They took food from friends' kitchens. They Chris played one-on-one for $20 against guys, and the rare time when he would lose, he'd run away. Um, they lived in Mount Vernon Square, apartment number 308, which often had no electricity, no heat, an empty refrigerator. Um, there were there were dire times there. And here's a here's a guy who's in fourth grade fending for himself at, at nine, ten years old. Uh, meanwhile, the dad, who was still up in Connecticut, spent years trying to locate the kids. But once he and uh, Chris's mom kind of parted ways, there was no real way for his dad to kind of locate the kids. Um, he paid all the child support. He went to court uh, to try to find out where they were. He could get no information. He thought they were in Florida. And then one day out of the blue, uh, Chris's mom, Pia, called and, and sent the older brother, John, home for a weekend, basically, uh, so that John could, could get some clothes and get some money and um, eventually head back to Alexandria. Um but again, the dad was left with no other way to contact his kids. And so the dad checked his phone numbers when, um, when John had been up there for the weekend, and he noticed some phone numbers that had, Ale- that had Virginia um, area codes, and specifically Alexandria. And he got a hold of one of, uh, one of the calls John had made to, was to one of his coaches um, who was coaching him at the time. And, 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 the, and the dad called, and the coach told him that Pia was in jail. At that time, and his dad immediately went to court, um, got a court order, drove down down to Alexandria, and got the kids. It's the first time Chris had actually met his dad, and his dad kind of showed up at the apartment, and uh, Chris really had no idea who this guy was. Obviously, John, his older brother, had a little more uh, dealings with his father, just being a little bit older. But when they went back to New London, it was a big adjustment for Chris. I mean, he's 10 years old. He's got a new family. He's trying to go from surviving on the streets to a stable environment. And it really took him a year to feel comfortable with his dad. Um, called him John the first year, did not call him dad for a while. Uh, but, you know, as kids are so resilient in so many different ways, um, Chris was able to adjust. And after a year, got more comfortable. Uh, basketball, football, great athlete. He decided to uh, focus on basketball over football. Um, which uh, is obviously still tough for his dad because his dad really thought that Chris was on his way to making it to the NFL. He still thinks Chris could be a a pro cornerback, Uh, but his dad loved football, and Chris was really good at it too. Um, And after he made the decision in high school to drop football, his his dad didn't talk to him for two weeks. Uh, In high school, Chris had a standout um, basketball career and, and moved on to Providence where the head coach, Ed Cooley, um, had a similar type upbringing. Chris really connected with him, and uh, Chris went through a couple of shoulder injuries. You know, he was there for four years. He basically only played for three, but two shoulder surgeries. Had a chance to come out after his what would have been his uh, junior year, or I guess his sophomore year, redshirt sophomore year. But he chose not to. He wanted to. Um, he wanted to get his degree. He wanted to work on his game. Even his dad says, "Hey, I would have come out 
but uh, Chris risked a lot to go back, especially after the two shoulder surgeries. Um, and then his second year, he, he played pretty well. He would have likely been a lottery pick, but he came back for his senior season and improved in a lot of different areas. And, you know, during training camp, Chris was asked about that and, and, and being at, you know, all these one-and-dones, whether it's Carl Anthony Towns or Andrew Wiggins or Zach Levine, Shabazz Muhammad fits into that category as well. But, you know, Dunn talked about how um, how the four years of Providence really prepared him better, he thinks, for this jump to the NBA. You know, I feel like I could adjust to the plays a lot easier. You know, I'm learning the game a lot easier because I know so much, you know, through college. You know, uh, the people that come out their first year, I don't think they get to be as knowledgeable as they can be during all four years. So, you know, I think I'm very knowledgeable. I think I got a high IQ because I stayed all four years. And, you know, the physical part, I got to work on my body all four years. So, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm physical enough to play with the guys right away. Yeah, play with guys right away, as he showed in uh, Summer League, and play with them at point guard and at shooting guard. You know, I feel like I'm a combo guard. I feel like I can score at certain times, and I feel like I can play off the ball. You know, whatever they need me to do, I'm going to try to do it. I feel like I can play point guard. I can get guys involved. But, you know, if coach wants me to go to the two and try to be aggressive and look at the basket, I think I can do that too. And one thing coach will certainly ask him to do is play defense, something he did extremely well at Providence. And Dunn says he's uh, looking to continue that uh, defensive assignments under head coach Tom Thibodeau. You know, he's definitely a defensive coach. You know, I, I try to ask as many questions as I can. You know, he's very knowledgeable to the game. So I think the more you just listen, you know, and, and focus in on him, you can learn so much. You know, once you listen and understand what he's trying to explain, it, it makes the game a lot easier for you on the defensive end. Well, it'll be fun for the fans to finally see Dunn in person or on television this week. Um, you get the chance to do that starting tonight and then Wednesday and Friday. We talked um, just yesterday about his struggles offensively. But, again, it's not just him who's shooting the ball not particularly well early on. But, again, uh, we'll, we'll get a much better sense of that here over the next week. And then, of course, the regular season starts a week from tomorrow. Can you believe that? The Wolves will be... Uh, Wolves will be in Memphis. It's gonna be all Grizzlies all the time, man. We play them. We play them tomorrow. We play them next Wednesday. Uh, they are the home opener for the Wolves, so we see them on November first. Then we see them one more time. So three times in the first twelve regular season NBA games, plus once in the preseason. So if you love uh, Grizzlies and Wolves, uh, you, it must be a marquee matchup, right? That's why the that's why the NBA schedule makers put the uh, these two together for three of the first twelve games, right? Well, hey. If they uh, maybe maybe Memphis might be uh, ripe for the picking too with the addition of Chandler Parsons. Uh, who knows if uh, Mark Gasol at this point? I haven't kind of kind of taken a look at too many of the opponents' issues yet. But uh, Mark Gasol coming off that injury plague last year, he might not be ready by the time uh, the regular season comes around. But we'll talk more about that as we head towards the opener next week. That's going to do it for this edition of Lockdown Wolves. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for following. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. I'm Alan Horton. You can follow me on Twitter at Wolves Radio and at Locked On Wolves. This has been another edition of Locked On Wolves, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. 
Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.